Annie McLaughlin here for Stick Together, a half hour of workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. We come to you from 3CR on the unceded lands of the Kulin Nation with respect to their elders, past, present and emerging. We are coming to you on your community radio stations through the Community Radio Network. This week we focus on the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, RAFU's Super Strike, held on Saturday 8th of October, followed by a look at the National Tertiary Education Union, the NTEU, Melbourne University's second week of strike action that started on October the 2nd. It has taken seven years of organising for members of RAFU, the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, working at the two major supermarket chains, Coles and Woolworths, to feel strong enough to take industrial action for living wages, safe working conditions and secure jobs. The actions across the country kicking off with Coles in Broken Hill last Thursday and escalating to more and more sites on Saturday the 7th of October reflects the sheer contempt that the multinational employers at Coles and Woolworths have been showing their workers. The management has refused to sit down with workers to negotiate for years, with Coles only recently putting forward claims that reduce workers' conditions, while Woolworths refusing to even put forward claims at all. We go down in front of Coles and Spencer Street in central Melbourne for a well-attended rally. First hearing from workers and Josh Cullinan, Secretary of the of RAFU, also, we hear from a worker from Nickeland and Northcote Plaza that emphasises the safety issue being faced by these workers. How's it going for you, Josh? Oh, it's going well. It's going fantastic. We've uh, had a huge amount of support come flooding in. Um, lots of workers finding out about what this action is and what it stands for. Lots of people joining up, appointing Raffle as their bargaining representative. Lots of people taking their first strike ever. Um, and so it couldn't have gone better in terms of the way that the community of workers is responding. Unfortunately, the Coles response is just outrageous. Um, and so we're having to deal with that as well. And fortunately, we've got our strike fund that will support Coles workers for yesterday and today for just being told they, their work's not going to be accepted, they're not going to be paid because they wore a Rafu t-shirt or because they refused to clean the boss's toilet. And uh, so very disappointing that Coles has taken that heavy-handed attack on workers. But we're ready for it and we'll look towards Christmas. So you're surprised that they've behaved this way? Yeah, I think that they know that their workers can't afford food. Coles implemented a policy at the start of this year to do bag checks on its own staff. So if you go into Coles now, every single staff member when they finish their shift has to come out and show the manager the contents of their bag. Every 15 year old girl who's got their pads or tampons, every person who's got their medications, every every person has to come and open up their bag on the way out. And why would Coles do that? Well, that's because Coles knows these workers can't afford food. So they're requiring these bag checks to stop them stealing an apple, to stop them stealing the loaf of bread. So very, very disappointing that they would just say to those same workers, well, if you're going to wear that T-shirt, if you're not going to clean my toilet, then we're going to not accept your work and not pay you at all. It's, it's people that in a, in a head office who know that if anyone ever came in and abused them, harassed them, intimidated, threatened them or assaulted them, that their workplace would be shut down, the cops would be called, the evidence would be preserved, that worker would be given all the help that they need and it wouldn't be reopened until it was safe. Then they say to the same poverty-waged workers in their supermarkets, oh no, that's impossible to do. We can't possibly do that. We can't possibly shut down that area. Someone might want to buy their loaf of bread. So those workers now are just expected to cop. 
the kinds of behaviours that no other workers in Australia are expected to cop. And, and we're fed up with it. This, this, this employer is absolutely opening up class warfare when it tells these workers, we're not going to accept your work, we're not going to pay you, knowing that they're paid poverty wages and can't afford food for their kids. What they're doing is actually creating an unequal society. Yes, that, that's, that's what they're creating. That, that's what they're already creating by the wages they pay and the conditions they impose. So, so we know that already, but then they're, they're just taking that further. And that's just all in the pursuit of profit. This, this is what capital does when it's given free reign. And at the moment, the laws in Australia put so much pressure back on workers. The idea that a company like Coles could do this, um, it's just, it's really calling on harder action. You know, why would workers accept that? They may as well plan for a week off at Christmas and do a whole Christmas strike. That's what the company is asking them to do. It's just, it's really, it is really class warfare. It's really trying to screw down these workers as hard as they possibly can to stop them ever standing up. And the fantastic thing this week is that workers have responded by standing up. You know, the, this week we started with maybe, you know, four or 500 workers at Coles taking strike. And now that's 25% more in one week. The same at, well, the same at Woolworths. So it's, it's really fantastic that the response from workers is to say, we're fed up. You know, they through the pandemic, they saw the way that their employers treat them. They saw that their employers didn't re respect them and didn't give them any value. They forced them to work and to work extra shifts and to get sick. And they hid the cases that were going on in their stores. So they now know the, the value that the employers place on them and they're fed up. And there's, today, we're going to see right across Australia, a thousand workers go out. And as we build over the next few weeks, you know, looking towards Christmas, it's going to be even bigger. Well, Woolworths hasn't done this extraordinary action that Coles has done to not pay workers or accept their work. So we've got members today who will be working in their woolly store, wearing a, a Super Strike Rafu t-shirt. They will be doing their other bands. They'll be doing them responsibly and professionally. They'll be impacting on management. Um, and then they will come out on strike and go back to work. Um, and maybe that's because Woolies knows that customers need that service and support. Coles doesn't give a rats about its customers. It's saying, you know, if you're going to do this, if you're going to wear that t-shirt, don't, don't work. Well, it's saying to the customers, no, well, we can't slice your meat. We can't serve you at the checkout. You know, if there's a delay in your order arriving and the, by delivery, it's actually Coles making that choice where it didn't have to. So Woolies has taken a different approach. That said, Woolies hasn't made a single offer on a single item either. So when it comes down to, well, where are we looking at in the future? Can we get an agreement by Christmas? Can we have living wages? Can we have safer workplaces and secure jobs? Even Woolies is refusing to budge on those items. Can you give me an idea of uh, how people are responding around the country? Oh, the response around the country has been fantastic. And what we've seen through these last week is workers get on board them as they find out about it. But it's not workers in Melbourne or workers in Sydney, it's workers right across the country, in regional towns, in regional centres, as well as every corner of Australia. It's been absolutely fantastic, you know, 20% growth in workers getting involved in RAFWU um, as they find out about us. And then their co-workers getting involved as well. So it might be the first member at a store somewhere in Australia and um, it's the first member but then suddenly there's two or three more coming on board and it's, it's where it starts. One becomes two, two becomes four, four becomes eight and so on and we're you know, building that power right across the country. In terms of the strike action, this is just the beginning. This is just the first one. We've got Tuesday night um, will be another strike from 9pm to 11pm for the night fill and evening workers. Um, and then you know, over the next week we'll be meeting with members and they'll be mapping out what it looks like till Christmas. You're a worker uh, here? Yeah, I work in coal services at Spencer Street Coles. Yeah, and you're on strike? Absolutely. Uh, we need uh, safer work conditions and a living wage because we're scraping um, paycheck to paycheck and I'm a main provider for my family 
and we're barely paying our bills. So um, we were cons considered uh, essential workers during the pandemic and obviously we're considered not at the moment. We've had um, two meetings so far with um, Coles. First time they were cold and not responsive. Uh, second time they were a little bit more open-minded but we need to have action to actually force them to actually take us serious as workers. Our safety is more serious, like we're right next to a police station, yet we still have acts of violence and hostility from customers and where Well, this is a red hot area, mm. isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Like we've had um, situations where a customer's had a knife in their bag and we'll call the police and we have a pretty slow-ish response. But even like um, a week before my first meeting that we had with um, uh, Coles at the Fair Work Commission, they were unaware that um, we had a uh, training, new training module for safety where we would overserve um, customers that were considered potential shoplifters. And the thing is, from experience, when you do that for someone who is shoplifting, they become aggressive, even more aggressive. Uh, and also, uh, what, your security guard? Or are you a person who actually works behind the counter? Exactly. I definitely do not have training for crowd <laughs> control. Um, my, my safety is utmost importance uh, to make sure I'm safe to go home to my family. <laughs> Personally, I think they're just not taking it serious. It's just um, ticking boxes to make sure there's no any uh, legal dramas or whatnot. Yeah. So... What are you hoping for? Your security is high in the, um, and better pay? Uh, yeah, security and better pay and also job security because so many team members I've come across over the years need more hours and, and when they come to a new hiring um, time, say, coming up to Christmas, instead of offering those team members more hours or more shifts when they're available, um, that is hire new people for 10 hours a week and people can't live off 10 hours a week. You know, like, so um, more job security. And it's all, it's all just because they don't want to pay um, those 15 minute tea breaks, paid breaks. It's, save, it's, it's saving money, it's not about providing uh, good service to customers. Can you tell me how you felt about going on strike? You know, the, the progress towards thinking that this was the only way. And it's a personal journey, really, isn't it? Oh, it's nerve wracking. Um, because the un I was unsure of my rights legally and then also of what potential punishments would I get from management. Because um, I have had times in the past where it's not a Coles thing, but it's more so an individual management thing where they will actually take uh, workers' rights away um, and send text messages in group chat saying, uh, if you're not available uh, the coming weekend, don't expect to get more extra shifts. This is to casuals. Um, and unfortunately, I couldn't do anything as a delegate um, because these team members were not members of the union, so I couldn't help them be represented through RAFWU. Uh, um, yeah, so uh, this has been a long time in the coming. Um, I got involved with RAFWU in like 2017. Um, and it was even a dream then, you know, that we might be able to take strike action in a supermarket, you know, and it seemed to be uh, something off in the distance, but like a, a 
you know uh, what we've been working for for this whole time, and it's it's come together today. So I'm so happy to see it. What, what's at stake? What, um, why was it so important, and why was it a dream? Right. Well, you know, obviously at the moment there's cost of living pressures and you know price gouging. I would say from some of the supermarkets um, and fighting for just respectable wages. That's, I guess, materially what's at stake. But in the broader sense, it's proving that workers in this industry can be organised. Um, it's something that the SDA hasn't bothered to do ever. Um, and in just seven years, yeah, we can have industrial action at this scale at supermarkets in every state. Um, you know, like it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. So that, that's what's at stake is actually, you know, proving that retail workers have the power. Was it a big deal for you to go on strike? Um, yeah, it's it's a bit scary, honestly. Um, I know we have legal protections and we have a lot of people backing us, but uh, it can be very intimidating to stand up to bosses, from the big bosses down to, you know, your local manager. Um, but I'm glad that we're doing it. I'm glad that I'm doing it and getting involved. Yeah, I work in the deli section at a Woolworths and it's just actually horrendous. Like they basically refuse to hire like any new people. So I'm forced to like do the work of like two to three people on my own when I'm closing the deli. And it's just one of the most stressful jobs I've ever worked. Um, yeah, and like uh, I'm only 19, so I only get paid junior rates. So I'm not even getting paid a full wage to do the work of like two to three people. It's ridiculous. Oh no! So you decided it's about time you had a strike. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, <laughs> you know, it's like this is the only way that we're actually gonna, you know, make any kind of change is by actually, you know, wielding our power as workers to, um, you know, put pressure on the bosses to, you know, <laughs> do what is in um, our interest rather than theirs. Yeah. And you work at Liquorland, is it? Yes, yes, I do. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you, you've never taken strike action before? No, no, we haven't. No. Then what's led to this? Um, so what's happened is, well, I've worked at Liquorland for the last three years, and um, we've seen an increase in theft. Where we get stolen from quite a lot at the store. Um, most recent, this is all spurred on. Most recently, we've had. Um, an incident where a female staff was working by herself and three guys came in with masks on um, and she was all by herself. And we've raised these safety concerns before with management, um, but that particular incident we said, right, this is not enough. We, you know, we want guarantee like two people on and we want a security guard. Um, security guards to minimise the theft and the other person on is to minimise the threat of the um, of the thefts um, and so we put in a dispute head office didn't meet with us for over a month and then when they did um, they outright pretty much said that they couldn't guarantee uh, two people on and that staffing was linked to profits um, and we're just really fed up with that we want our we want safer working conditions guaranteed um, we want to feel safe at work yeah, well, I see that it says that this uh, facility is open seven days a week. How late does it stay open? Um, currently, it's until 10. Um, that's our store, and that's when most of the other stores in the plaza are already closed. Um, also, you'll see when we go around, we're a fairly isolated store as well. We're just round the side, um, facing a car park that's pretty poorly lit. Um, with little pedestrian traffic 
um, towards the end of the night. So it's when something happens, you literally are quite by yourself. Um, and yeah, and but on some nights we've we've been open till eleven as well, which is fairly late. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. Um, also, you were saying that uh, on this day of uh, action, uh, they were able to get security, but to protect themselves. Yes, yes. So today, day of the protest, they've um, brought in a security guard to be there pretty much uh, all day. They've also brought in extra staff as well. Um, and so this proves that they can do it, they have the money for it, they can do it on short notice, um, but they're just not willing to do it for us. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues on the Community Radio Network. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Members of the Monash branch of National Tertiary Education Union are following on from the Melbourne Uni walkout last week with 48 hours of industrial action at the Clayton and Caulfield campuses in Melbourne, October the 9th to the 11th. These industrial actions on our university campuses are symptomatic of top-heavy overpaid management who are running businesses on the back of casual academic staff, overworked professional staff and overcharged students. Melbourne Uni NTU members have just finished a second week of unprecedented industrial action. We first hear from Damien Smith from Victorian College of the Arts, who outlines in clear terms the exploitation happening to workers in the higher education sector and why action is necessary. I'd like to welcome Damien Smith, who is a tutor in Critical and Theoretical Studies in the School of Arts. Can you hear me? Okay, well, I'll pump up the volume. The person who I would like to hear this is our Vice-Chancellor, Duncan Maskell. So, Duncan, this goes out to you. Uh, and excuse me from reading from my notes, but uh, so earlier, earlier this year, um, I, was, I attended my mother's funeral, uh, and I was one of the speakers there. Now, um, you know, not, uh, not long after that, we, uh, after we slid the coffin into the hearse, I jumped in my car and I drove to the University of Melbourne to give a two-hour tutorial in critical theory. Um, and, uh, you know, what can I say? The, the, the proper funerary rites, the dignity befitting an elder of our community could not be observed. And this is because I am not entitled, we are not entitled, to compassionate leave. Shame. We are not entitled to sick leave. Shame. And we are not entitled to any kind of leave because we are casuals at the University of Melbourne. Shame. However, I did share the bare facts of my situation with my students. Um, and I did so because I wanted to know, I wanted them to know the brutal reality of what lies before them. A degraded professionalism, 
a reduced educational ethos that they are already experiencing and a less expansive condition of life against which we all, all of us, must fight. So how, Duncan, Duncan Maskell, how would you feel if this was done to you? What would you think if you could not spend the proper time to mourn your loved ones? And what would you do if you worked for an institution that thought that this is okay? He doesn't do any work. He doesn't. <laughs> so we, all of us, are underpaid. We, all of us, are overworked. And we are all victims of wage theft. And each and every one of us are tired. Now, luckily for me, I have another job that is uh, far more secure and more highly paid than my academic position. I also work as an industrial cleaner where I get paid considerably more for scrubbing toilets than I do with my PhD teaching the brightest minds of tomorrow. Yay! I can't say I mind my multifaceted career which includes being a published author, a best-selling author. But an academic with a dunny brush is a sure sign that something stinks here. Now, Duncan, I see that, that your father was also a plumber, somewhat like me, you might say. But he was proud of where education took you, as well he might be. But under your watch, the value proposition of, for academics at the University of Melbourne has now been brought to breaking. And yet you say our core values is that there must be a genuine and deep culture of respect for everyone at our university. Nice words, but it's time now to put that into action. Duncan Maskell, it's time also that you show leadership and deliver a secure future, not only to the academics working here, but also to the artists, the musicians, the writers, the filmmakers, the dancers and creatives who feed and vitalise our community of learning. You are on record as a lover of the arts and as someone who has a great fondness for music. So why not make this part of your legacy? In good faith, recognise our value to both the university and to the wider community and let's get this done. We now hear from branch committee member Callum Simpson for some reflection on the strike. One thing we've been saying a lot is that action breeds recruitment. Like we had strikes in May and June and protests throughout the year and the more we did stuff the more people got on board. I think it's it's um, conversations are really important but at the same time it's really important to have a good example of what workers can do together and I think that's why we've grown to be the largest branch in the NTU is because we've done more and more action. So yeah, even st early stuff like this, like a protest outside a single store, can build a lot of 
momentum. Yeah, it's a lot of self-respect, isn't it? Because otherwise you feel like you're suffering in silence all by yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things is like, we have very complex EBA at, uh, at you know, Melbourne. It's kind of sometimes hard to organise around specific kind of details. And someone said at some point this week, and it really stuck with me, it's like what we are fighting for is dignity and autonomy. And so it's like, yeah, it's like that self-respect. It's like um, realising that your employer doesn't respect you and that you will only get respect as a collective um, and pushing for something greater than yourself, greater than the workplace. Yeah, it's more than just pay, it's more than just workloads, it's, yeah, it's that kind of stuff. Is there any movement at all on um, the really important issue of uh, job security? I mean, because it's not just for the workers, it's actually for the future of universities. Oh, it absolutely is. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about how these strikes, uh, both Melbourne and Monash and RMIT and elsewhere, um, is really important for the sector as a whole and for making universities more effective and giving them a better ideal of like what they could be. Earlier in the year we had these bargaining sessions where the bargaining team invited um, members from across the union to come and give testimonials and there was one woman um, who was a sessional lecturer for about a decade who's been working on 10-month contracts and had uh, had no research allocation in her job, she was teaching only, uh, but because she needed to be published in order to get her contract again, she spent the summers, two months unpaid break, researching and publishing. Um, and it's one of the big reasons that like uh, research allocation and uh, workloads has been a big part of the um, push as well as job security, is because there's a lot of unpaid labour that is required of people in order to keep their jobs and in order to support their students and in order to you know, support their research that they care about. And because I suppose people are passionate and they can get away with it, the uni's been stealing all that labour. Yeah. Apparently they're really struggling to uh, understand our claims and our issues so that we do research ourselves uh, because they kind of have let go of all the people who used to do that. <laughs> and on the secure job thing, it was it was the biggest talking point of our first week-long strike. And after, a week after that, the uni came with, to us with a proposal. Um, it is not perfect. It's not a huge change. But as far as I understand, it would be the first written target in an EBA for uh, uh, full-time equivalent job security. But there's lots of loopholes. And there's sort of redefinitions that like they didn't go with the union definitions. There's a lot of stuff to work out. So bargaining continues and pressure continues. But to have got that far, when they said they would never, ever, ever put a target in EBA um, at the start of the year, like I think that showed that like strikes work. You're now in the boxing ring. Yeah, <laughs> feels like that, yeah. <laughs> That's, right. That's it for Stick Together this week. If you want to catch up with our program, the podcast is available at 3cr.org.au or at your favourite podcast. You can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by ringing 0394198377 and leaving us a message. We'd love to hear from you. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you. And until next time, stick together. They go wild, simply wild over me. Though I've never done them harm that I can see. 
I'm as gentle as a lamb, but they take me for a ram. They go wild, simply wild over me. Oh, the cop, he went wild over me. And he held his gun where everyone could see. He was breathing rather hard when he saw my union card. He went wild, simply wild over me. Then the judge, he went wild over me And I plainly saw we never could agree So I let the man obey what his conscience had to say He went wild, simply wild over me Then the jailer, he went wild over me When he locked me up and threw away the They go wild, simply wild over me I'm referring to the bed bug and the flea Oh, they murmur in my sleep They disturb my slumber deep They go wild, simply wild over me The willow roses grow wild over me When I've gone into the land that is to be My soul and body part 